0: everyone. Welcome to the Business for Builders podcast. Uh, Welcome to you again if you're watching in YouTube land. My name's Max. I'm the CEO of Smith & Sons uh, here in Canada. And uh, look, as usual, we want to present some value to our general contractors. Uh, We're assuming that uh, we have more general contractors in our audience uh, than anything else. But if you're a contractor, you're a subcontractor, then some of this stuff will apply to you as well. Um, you know what I what I, I was chatting to one of my guys about a week or so ago, and uh, you know he's at the moment he's just got in uh, he just joined forces with Smith and Sons in the last six months, and you know he's a very hungry uh, for success kind of guy, and you might be that type of guy or gal as well, and you know there's there's a couple of things I think there's a, there's a balanced approach to developing and building a business. And, um, you know, I think part of it, you've got to be fairly gung-ho and you've got to be fairly adventurous and take a few risks, but you've also got to be patient uh, all at the same time. And so, you know, what, we, what I got talking to uh, this guy about was how that, you know, the development process, and look, I've always said that, you know, a business is run by systems and good humans operate good systems that drive good business. So you know I, I think we look at we look a lot of the, uh, look at a lot of the major brands and we understand that obviously there's standard operating procedures there's methods around you know how they do things um, you know obviously there's some psychology involved in how to handle your different types of clients. Um, and today you know I really want to talk to you about you know if you've been in the game for you know five to ten years then it's time that you really did start scaling up a business. Because, uh, you know, what you can find is you, this year will be no different uh, to last year. And certainly there's a lot of contributing factors that are going to help you grow a business. However, uh, I believe it all starts with good people because you and I can have a good service type business. We can even put together good systems, but if we can't attract and retain good people, then we are going to be back on the tools. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about you can't wear all the hats. Um, You know, we've talked about the fact that, you know, you've got to uh, have a good company culture and, you know, people within that company culture have got to be very suited to it. Otherwise, there's going to be some friction um, and the toxicity level of that, you know, personality, you know, has to be removed. Otherwise, it could jeopardise the momentum of the brand or the business. So you know, I think where we start is we're like, okay, if you if you feel like you've got a good services orientated business and you feel like you've got good systems, then all you're lacking is recruitment um, and and putting the right people in position. And so when I think about a couple of guys, I've got one of one of my guys who's 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 heavily into this now. He's got project managers, project consultants, uh, one or two guys that that uh, you know help him on a full time basis. So he's got four or five staff, uh, he's got connections with good subcontractors, whether it's an interior designer, electrician or otherwise. And so what's happened is, you've, you know, he's got an office as well. And, of course, he because he's joined forces with Smith & Sons, we do a lot of the marketing, we have the international brand, and we do a lot of the lead generation as well as the lead management. And so, you know, really at some point he just, you know, he, he'll get a notification on his phone and then all he has to do is begin the process with the clients. So he's in a really solid position. Um, and I don't think it's anything special, but today, you know, really what it comes down to is we have a business, we have a fairly systemized approach and we need to recruit better. Uh, I, I think to enable you to recruit better, you, my friend, need to be able to sell better. Did you hear that? Because if you don't sell better, and let's say you're, you're so desperate. So in other words, I mean, we pride ourselves on being deliberate and not desperate. Uh, and uh, one of my guys says too, he said, fix the fix it at the front rather than fix it at the back end. So in other words, you're trying to build it. Let's say you're trying to build a business and you are selling at a very slim markup and you're not presenting as much value to customers as you should and let's say they're buying on price and not on value of your service. That is going to limit the amount of working capital or bank that you're going to be able to put towards Things, but not, you know, not excluding like, you know, marketing for good talent or lead, you know, lead generation, all those sorts of things. You need working capital. In other words, you've heard people say, well, I reinvest back into the business. If you're not marking up and you're not selling good, then how you, you're not creating any bank to give yourself some wiggle room to go and have a shot at investing or having a shot at uh, you know recruiting or or whatever the case may be. If you can't reinvest back into your business or back into the people within your business or back into systemizing better your business, then you are going to hit a ceiling fairly quickly. So um, let's talk about. So the, what we have is an overlap. We have an overlap between. Uh, saying that we want good people in our business. And I've heard this time after time, Max, <clears throat> I can't find good people. I can't, I can't find good labor. Well, I would challenge you and say that it's your, your, it's your understanding or your misunderstanding of what's actually going on. And I think we've covered this before whereby, you know, we tend to flip it around one way. If you're trying to recruit a lead carpenter, you might say, well, I'll, I'll pay you 28 bucks an hour. And, you know, you and I both know that neither you or me would actually respond to that ad. But, you know, when you're talking about um, you put the ad and you just tweak it a bit and you say up to 35 bucks an hour, all of a sudden you're going to get some of the winners. And and so, you know, that, that process of recruiting, but even if you get that portion of it correctly and you're able to invest – and look, I know that there's guys that are within the Smith & Sons group that are paying their folks more than what they're actually taking out of the business themselves. Now, they're doing that, you know, semi-intentionally in the fact that they know they've got to leave uh, more working capital in the business as they can – live on, you know, have a very minimalistic attitude while they're growing the business. And that's an interesting point to note as well. I mean, even as CEO, I drove a a $3,000 2002 model F-150 until my business partners told me it was embarrassing and they made me change that. And so, you know, what you want to do is, you know, he who, ever, he who holds their breath the longest wins. And so if you, can, if you can avoid spending or having to spend money on things that are, uh, a depreciating asset or things that have zero ROI attached to them, then your ability to invest back in the business uh, certainly increases. And if you're investing in the right areas, over time you'll eventually get what you want. If you help enough other people get what they want, you will get what you want. Um, so we've got to change it away and we've talked about the long game and the short game before and we're talking about building a business and I'm whether you like it or not, it's the long game. And so, you know, when you're talking about setting up, you know, a business that's run by systems that has good humans running those systems, you really need to nail down um, how you can uh, set up a recruitment uh, approach that is actually going to uh, provide you with the appropriate type of talent. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the variables of success in the construction game is your ability to re- recruit good talent and obviously maintain a very good culture within your business. So here's – that's one side of it, getting good people through the door. Um, and, you know, like I said, some of the basic fundamentals that we talk about are really just your approach. You know, we talk about um, having an up to. So if you're going to – look, let's do some tactical stuff. If you're in Canada, we use Indeed all the time, and we run our recruitment programs for our general contractors. And it's really simple. We have a fairly standard verbiage that we use, and uh, we, we, we get away from just sort of using a, a fixed hourly rate. We provide something because we want the best talent, but the best talent costs money. Um, And so this is where, you know, you've got to sort of really understand what it is that you're trying to do and understand the target market. So as much as we're not marketing for retail here, we're marketing to, you know, attract really good talent into the business. So it's one thing to, uh, yeah, so we've got the verbiage put together that's fairly standard. The guys can be rolling down the highway and they can call us and say, Max, I want to run Uh, An ad for a uh, you know a renovator lead carpenter ad, and we've got all that set up ready to go, and that can be live within 20 minutes. Um, And so our approach to that is one thing. But what I talk to the guys a lot about it's one thing to uh, attract the good talent. Now, what your challenge is is to retain. And so to be able to keep good talent within your business, because I will tell you that your business survives or lives and dies on your ability to attract and retain, not just attract and then all of a sudden two months later they get pissed off and they go elsewhere and you think, gee, wonder what I did, you know, or didn't do. But to be able to retain good talent is also uh, probably more challenging, I think, going forward than actually attracting. Because I think, you know, we, we often talk about, you know, or we had talked about in this town which is only a population of 40,000 or so and, you know, the fact is it's a small talent pool Uh, compared to some other, you know, cities that are a little bit – that are 45 minutes away that have potentially, uh, you know, more talent to pick from. Um, But they would, you know, often say, well, we can't get good talent. Well, I've got two guys in this town now operating Smith & Sons franchises and uh, I don't hear any complaints from those guys. And I'm telling you it's the way that we go about attracting. Um, You know, I'd I'd urge you if – you know, because once everyone – we say this about employees, that everybody's good on their first day, everyone's good on their resume – but I'm telling you that when you have good talent come into your business, if you are posturing as a business leader, if you are pretending and you're trying to put across all of these good things like I'm a good person and, you know, all this sort of honourable type behaviour, um, at some point, if you don't start delivering on some of that, uh, your employees will call your bullshit. They will see through that. They'll go, well, he says one thing, but he does another. And so, you know, it's it's not easy to be a leader. I get it but all you have is your word your word is your bond and so you know what we've got to do is is to be able to sort of uh, attract and retain there's a few things that we need to do and so you know um i think if you if you've got somebody in your business let's say it's a superintendent and he's rolling around in his truck and he's doing the super, superintendent supervising work for you then you need to make sure that you are at least at bare minimum reimbursing that person with some of the running costs on that vehicle, um, and certainly if they're using their phone, and I would advise you not. If if they're a superintendent, and they're talking to your clients. I would advise you to get another cell phone and another uh, another another card because they, you know, your clients is your, you know, really is your is your asset. Um, you could get some recurring business, but you could also get some referral business, and you don't ever want to lose that contact. So there's a few things that you want to you want to make it your, your employees feel like they're a part of something, you might want to make sure that they're comfortable doing what they're doing, but you always want to make sure they're striving to be better and strive to deliver more, things like that. So that's all cute and pretty. Uh, but we go back to the start. And if you are not, if you, and I would say even the guys that I know who are starting to do this fairly well, um, their focus is as they step back, uh, you know, step by step away from the front line. In other words, if you're swinging a hammer and you're on the tools and you've got a an apprentice, you're front line. What one of the, one or two of the guys are doing in the, in our business is they're starting to step away from the front line and they're starting to separate themselves from the day to day activities on site. Which is exactly why you got into your own business. The idea of a business it's a, it's a commercial entity that is supposed to reward the business owner with it with a dividend. It's supposed to generate money for you to be able to enjoy because you operate and you manage a business. Uh, If you're down there in your front line and you're swinging a hammer, you're going to hit a ceiling and there's only so much you can do both on the tools as well as off the tools. Um, A lot of guys that I talk to in the, you know, recruitment process with Smith and Sons is they're already wearing all the hats. They'll go and do eight to 10 hours on the site and they'll come home and do six hours, you know, after dinner um, every evening, just to keep on top of paperwork and quotes and things like that. So, If you're the guy that wants to be in sales and quality control, essentially that's where one of our guys is, um, you'd want to be able to – and you won't actually get there unless you learn how to sell better. And so, you know, I'm going to tell you this little piece, but really there is so much to go into supporting this hyperbole, let's call it, that is if you can't sell good up front, then your ability to be able to develop the business, business out back is just never going to happen. Um, and simply because you're going to run out of money. So uh, what I would suggest is, you know, you need to provide value to your clients. So really everything off the, you know, off the back of sales is where the life is for your business. So what we want to do is we want to be able to, you know, sell better. And so what does that mean? Well, you know, I I think you need to, you know, you want to scale or bail. That would be what I'd say. You, You don't want to be you might be 32 and thinking you're invincible, but I'm telling you, it only seemed like yesterday I was 32 and now I'm 48. And so framing and foundations and carpentry in general, if that's where you came from or any trade for that matter, I don't care if you're an electrician, you've got to be climbing ladders to you know, hang lights and things like that. Uh, the trades is a young man's game. So you really want to build up to that, you know, that level of business. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself on the tools indefinitely. What, what, what is your exit strategy? Where are you going with your business? Um and so if you can learn to uh show value to your clients and it's a, it's a whole range of things you know we we talk about it all the time because we believe it's a big point of difference between what we do and what the next guy does and it's always about walking a mile in the customer's or the client's shoes uh we talk about fixed price contracts we talk about a list of inclusions we talk about completion dates or project duration times and they're all the things that clients look at and go that is valuable it has the ability to be valued And so if your services are no different to the next guy that comes through the door, then all of a sudden there's an oversupply of, of that service. Therefore they can then choose on price. Whereas for what Smith and Sons does and we go in and we, we have the ability to estimate large scale renovations. I mean, I'm talking 600, $650,000 renos and they're all marked up well, very healthy and they, they are all on fixed price. So When people say to me, Max, what do I get when I buy in with Smith & Sons? Well, there's a lot of uh, understanding around what it goes into selling a large-scale renovation, pricing a large-scale renovation, managing a large-scale renovation to the point where the forecast or the budget that you put together for that that job actually delivers to you at the end of a six- or a nine-month process. And so what we're finding is the guys have the ability now to scale up because they're selling better. So if you can – Sell better, you will scale quicker. If, you're, if you've got sales capabilities, then you're never going to really scale. You're going to go up and down and up and down and up and down. You're never going to nail this because this is why when we talk about the business system of Smith & Sons and all of the resources and the tools that go into it, I mean, we've got 13 years uh, of experience in the business now. One would think that you know, we're probably doing things okay considering we've got nearly 100 franchises in three countries. So, you know, I, I I urge you to sort of start to think about it. And you need to go and do your own <clears> – <throat> you need to go and do your own research. But w- sort of, you know, what you don't know, you don't know, I guess. So I, I don't know, you know, how you would go and find it out uh, if you don't know that there's a deficit. When I'm talking to guys about, you know, what we do uh, and about them joining forces with Smithers, I'll always ask them certain questions about their business because I want to identify the gaps and deficiencies in their business. And look, if you guys are out there and you're sort of wondering, well, what are the gaps and deficiencies? Well, Google SWOT analysis, SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's a good way to quickly analyze your business and figure out where your weaknesses and where your threats are. Um, And so, you know, but really it all pivots. It all is supported off your ability to sell well, to recruit good talent, and to maintain culture. So if you, you know, I don't know if you're driving along, but, um, you, you know, you want to sell well. Uh, maintain a good culture and recruit good talent. If you can do those three things, you're on your way uh, to building a bigger business and uh, and hopefully one that's more profitable. So uh, I hope that helps. If you uh, look, if you know someone who might benefit from this info, uh, feel free to share it with them, like, share, comment, all that sort of business. And uh, we look forward to uh, chatting with you again on the next episode. See you next time.